Hello, everyone. This is Jerry Lee standing in for the Manifester, and we're so happy to be here with you tonight, and so happy for you to be with us. So tonight, an interesting, interesting, powerful uh, teaching, Creating Angels. You know, we have watched over the years, and actually even back into some good piece of history, how that little by little, the prominence and the importance importance of angels has diminished uh, in the minds of uh, many religious people. It seems that people are being cheated of something so valuable, so real, so planned and important in the will of God for the people who are believers and for the people who are seeking to find the truth and seeking to believe. It's so sad when something so powerful, uh, so committed to us has been made to be diminished, has been um, skirted over with things that are excuses for why we should not be expecting to have angels in our midst, why we should not be expecting to see angels, or to hear from angels, or to listen to their melodies, or to experience their power of being able to lift us up, lest we dash our feet into the stones, to not understand that it's God's will for the angels of God to be encamped around about us. So, there has come a time for a great need of restoration. For creators to go out and begin to create the truth about angels. The real history of angels. Yes, to begin to create angels. The Bible tells us that there is a condition in which people are entertaining strangers, unaware that these strangers are actually angels sent in their midst. How sad that would be that an angel sent from God would need to appear as a stranger to us and would not be able to make known the presence that he had brought, like his countenance, and his energy and the sweetness of his spiritual nearness to God that we would be cheated of that because someone out there is saying that those experiences with angels are past and they were for another day and another time and they are not for us today ladies and gentlemen take angels out of the Bible and you basically destroy the Bible. There are so many instances of the Bible speaking about angels, and not only under the name of angels, but sometimes under the name of gods and judges and various other titles. So tonight is time for the Reformation. It's time for the restoring. It's time to create angels. I want to first read 
something that Jesus said, very, very important, while He was here with His disciples in the fleshly body. Another parable, it says in Matthew 13 and verse 33, that Jesus began to speak unto the people. And here is what He said. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. So curious it is that the children of Israel were given leavened bread, flat leavened bread, and this was what they were to eat. Is that because that they had failed when Moses was up in the forty days and nights on Mount Sinai seeking the glories of God and the angels and the presence of Yahweh was there on that mount witnessing to Moses, to Aaron and also prior to that witnessing to seventy of the elders? What a time to choose to decide to make a golden calf and to become naked and bare and dancing in lustfulness. What a time. In our recent teaching in the blog, we teach about there was originally two tablets. And the first tablet that was broken was the Tablet of Blessings. And then the second tablet became the tablet, tablet, uh, the tablets rather, uh, with the exception of the first two um, uh, commandments or the first two uh, of the ten words. That was about the curses. It's interesting then that the children of Israel were put on unleavened bread. There's something very deep and profound in this parable that Jesus gave that I just read to you. It says the kingdom of heaven is likened to this. Well, anything that has to do about what the kingdom of heaven is like, I am interested in knowing. And I hope that you are too. I'm interested to know how that leaven could be something similar to the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus said that. The kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven. Ah, here's the rest of it. Which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. Tell the whole was leavened. You see, there always was a plan based according to the kingdom of heaven for the leaven to do a job to do a job on that unleavened provision. And this woman hid three measures of meal until the time would come that the whole could be leavened. What were those three measures? You want me to tell you? I'm going to. They were the thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. These people were have the, were to have the unleavened. They would have the veil over them. They would be looking through the glass darkly. 
and to them it would be line upon line, verse upon verse, here a little, there a little, that they might go backwards and fall and be broken and be taken. Because the leaven was hidden with the meal until the whole could be leavened. And the revelation was there was three parts that was involved in this this secret that belongs to the very kingdom of heaven. It belongs to the things of God. It belongs to the peace of every Christian, every believer, every person out there who wants to know the truth and nothing but the truth so help them God. That there are three prescribed levels that the Bible talks about in Proverbs. And that these three levels are all part of the plan that God has for bringing His people into the deeper word and the deeper truth and bringing them into the full leaven. And right now they're hid. They're hid with the meal. They're hid within the substance. There is a code to bring them out. But only those that know how to open the seals can can bring out the code, can bring out the leaven, can fulfill the kingdom of heaven, the will of God. And this will continue, it says. Yes, like times, times, and a half times, it will continue until the time that this meal can be leavened with the thirty-fold, the sixty-fold, and the hundred-fold. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully what follows that in the thirty-fourth verse. All these things spake Jesus. This wasn't just anybody saying these things. This was a person who the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the listeners recognized that no man ever spake like this man before. That there was something virtual in this person of beautiful spirit, of vitality, of energy, something different than the common masses. These things spake Jesus unto the multitudes in parables. And without a parable, he didn't speak to them. It was a continuation of the unleavened bread. It continued to fulfill this thing about this secret, about about this example of the kingdom of heaven being likened to leaven, of which a woman, in this case this woman is representing the Holy Spirit. And there was hid. And it's the same thing that's happening in this parable, because in the parable, the thirty, sixty, hundredfold is hid. It's still secret, and people are hearing a story, but they are not knowing what the meaning of the story is without the Holy Spirit revealing it. And this is what Jesus said. The reason for this continuance of revelation in the unleavened uh, fold in, in, in the uh, the aspect of a parable 
is verse 35, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundations of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a thousand pipers of golden pipes to go out and begin to troop as a host of God, piping this delicious, glorious word, and having in the tones of that piping this leaven that would cause the meal to rise and rise and rise, to rise thirtyfold, to rise sixtyfold, to rise a hundredfold. So the Lord said, I'm telling you these things in parables. He understood that they would get written down. He understood that one day, one day, there would come pipers. There would come manifestors. There would come prophets. There would come, peop- there would come people of God. And they would go forth with this word, with these what had been parables that Jesus had put into them things, listen, things to be uttered which had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Some people say, why are these things, these revelations, these manifest realizations being made known now? Why haven't they been made before? Did you just hear the word of God that I read to you? There's a time for all things. There's a time when God is bringing forth His word. And there's a time that He plants, and there's a time He plucks up that which is planted. And these things have been kept secret, ladies and gentlemen, from the foundations of the world. They go back in time. They go back in place. They hold a position that is a special coding and keying to things that are absolutely pertinent to understanding the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's interesting. At that time, according to this given word, that it is mixed in association with the parable that he spoke in verse 24, which he said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And then eventually, eventually, now God knows the time. God knows the when, the where, and the why. Eventually, as the wheat began to come up, the tares also came up. And the servants of the householder came and said, in the 27th verse, Sir, did thou thou not sow good seed? Whence has come this other seed? And he said unto them, The enemy has done this. And they said, what shall we do? 
And in verse 29, he says, Don't pull up, try to pull up the tares, because they had suggested that. He said, You've got to let them grow together. But then I will send my angels. And they are the reapers. And first they will go out and they will separate. They will separate the tares from the wheat. But you have to be very careful. Because if you don't do it angelically, if you don't do it in the Spirit of God, you will destroy good people, good seed, along with separating and destroying the tares. And we came to understand when we were, when we taught to you the thirty, sixty, hundredfold, that these tares represented in a later time the mantis. And these were the locusts that were going, that was going to come up. And Jesus said that this would happen in the time of the end. He didn't say it would happen every day of every life, of every year, of every generation. He interpreted this, in fact. So if you go back over into the later uh, verses, he, he begins to describe the meanings of this in verse uh, 37. And he said, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. So when you begin to read in the MIV, in the Manifest Peace Bible, in the book of Revelations, that these mantis, these locust mantis, are actually the offspring of, 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 of Lucifer, Satan. There is scripture ample for that. And it's right here. And there's more. But it's right here in the Word of God. But without the 60, 30, 60, 100 fold, it would be hard for people to understand the whole of it. Here Jesus is just describing a 30 fold understanding to his disciples. And he goes on, he says, the tares are the children. They are the children of the wicked one. And the enemy that sold, sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the world. So we, we have a timing. It's not going to happen until time, times, and a half times. We have an understanding here. We have an incredible insight that has been given. And he says, the reapers are the angels. Verse 41 says, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Ladies and gentlemen, we're creating angels. We're bringing them back into the fullness of of the understanding that the Word of God has wanted us to understand and to know. We're creating angels for people who will be listeners and believers, for people who need to have the angel of their presence understood, for people who need to understand that the angels will lift them up 
will care for them, will encamp around about them, will go before them. And I'll show you later in a lot of, a lot of scriptures how God has set in His Word the plan for angels to be around about God's people, protecting them, keeping them, overseeing them. How sad to entertain them as strangers unaware of who they are. We are going to move that stranger aspect out of the way. That belongs to fallacy. That belongs to ideology and religion that is in despair. We are creating angels as they are supposed to be. We are creating the truth about angels that is the reality of manifest realization. Ladies and gentlemen, hear this word. Hear it deeply. Hear it deeply. Okay, we're going to go into some of these other scriptures that are so interesting, so powerful. And you may hear a little bit of the rattling of paper that will be the pages of my Bible. Because I had so many scriptures. And I don't really know that we could possibly get through all of these in just one teaching. So there may have to be a Creating Angels 2 and maybe a Creating Angels 3. But it'll be exciting for every one of those teachings. But let's let's look at um, let's look at First uh, Corinthians eight five through six. First Corinthians eight five through six. Something very very interesting there, and uh, we're going to just open this up. First Corinthians five through six. Okay. Now, this is, this is a powerful scripture, ladies and gentlemen. In chapter 8, verse 5, here is what it says. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, and there be gods many, and lords many. Did you hear that scripture? Did you really hear it? That's almost a blasphemous scripture to most denominations and beliefs. There be God's many and Lord's many. You who have been following the manifest teachings, you understand that gods is another word for angels. And there are various hosts of angels. And there are many different kinds, like cherubim, seraphim, ophanim, and many other kinds of angels. And these are called gods. And there are many of these gods. And each of these angels, angel hosts, angel groups, has an archangel, which is called a principality. 
And so when it says, and lords, many, that's what it's talking about. But it's been manifested to you in the 30, 60, 100 fold insight. But when you see it in the scripture, it's not clear what it really does mean. It seems like it's almost saying something that goes against scripture people have been taught. There's only one, one God, one Lord. But they don't understand how that those apply specifically to an exclusiveness of the Ophanim angels. Because that is the subject of what God is speaking to the mortals. Because they are the fallen Ophanim. And so when the scripture is relating to that, and it's talking about all of the angels, all the angels, it's talking about all the Ophanim, all the fallen Ophanim. Ophanim is from the word wheel, as described in the 10th chapter of Ezekiel. And those represented various kinds of, of angels, along with the seraphim and the cherubim. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, oh, how beautiful that is, tie into the revelation of the angels that we've been teaching you about in the Holy Manifest Doctrine. Ladies and gentlemen, the leaven doesn't need to be flat anymore and tasteless and have no fluff to it. It's been hidden. And these people that were under sin were not allowed to change it from its unleavened state. But now God is speaking to a new people that are in a new horizon. And he's bringing them into a creating of angels. Praise God. Now, this isn't a new revelation just, just for the time of Jesus and Paul. It goes way back in the Bible. Like in Psalms 138 it says, I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods, and I will sing praise unto thee. Have you ever done that kind of praising? When you lift up your hands and say, Oh, I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. When you've been in your church services or in your home or when you've thought of this praising the Lord, did you have in your mind as David did? I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods, before the angels. That's why today we're creating angels. Because they have been taken out of the Word of God. They have been made to vanish, even though the Word is still there. They have been discriminated against by the word time. All those used to be of the nature that they had a ministry to people, but now 
Since Christ, we don't need any of that anymore. Oh, is that right? There's all kinds of examples of angels all through the New Testament. But did you ever, when you were praising God, ever think in terms of praising God before the gods? Before the angels? Wow. I think those are exciting things. I think they're very exciting things. And when you put that into the understanding of many gods and lords, it takes on gravity, spiritual gravity. And I want to read another interesting one. And this one is in the 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So we're going to look at that because I think you'll find something very interesting here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. For I think that God hath set forth, I think that God hath set forth, us the apostles last. That's such a good attitude to have. Any of you people today that have got yourself in the mind that you want to be guaranteed to be able to sit on the right-hand side of God, the right-hand side of Yahweh, get out of that mood. You who want to be first in line for the highest, get humble. Paul said, I think we've been set last. I think we're just a pretty small part of the plan compared to what's been going on for ages and ages and ages. Even before the foundations of this world. Even before Genesis. For I think that God has set us, the apostles, last. As it were appointed to death. Wow. Now I want you to hear this next part. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. And you know, when you read that, and most people read it, they don't really get that much out of that. There's no twirling. There's no spinning. There's no excitation, excitement. Just bland, unleavened bread. That's because the angels need to be created here. The reality needs to be created here. We're, we're creators, ladies and gentlemen. We create in the Word. We, we roll away the stones that entomb people. We roll away the markers that have people dead by the name, by the names of faith and love and cherish and angels and signs and wonders and being able to speak in the tongues of any nation. I thank God, Paul says, <laughs> he has set forth us apostles last. I thank you, God, for whatever state I am in. That's Paul. Whatever state that I am in, I accept it. And I thank you for that. But here's the powerful thing. For we are made, and the word a spectacle actually 
better interprets to the word theater. For we are made a theater for the world. And world? What world? Are you talking about the earth? No, it already, you know, it's not talking about the earth here. You need to, to look that up in the con, Strong's Concordance, Greek number 2889. And that word world is cosmos. Like, you know, the heavens above, the universe with the stars. We are made a theater for the universe and for the angels and to the mortals, the humans. Now, that is a manifest realization. Now, that is the drummer's beat of the 30, 60, 100 fold. Now we are creating angels in a different light. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let anyone take away from you the belonging truth, the belonging love of the revelation that angels are for you. You were made a theater for angels. For angels. Your life is a theater. Your environment, your mind, your spirit association is made for the purpose that there are to be angels who can go before you, who can lead you and guide you. And if necessary, lift up your feet lest you dash your feet against the stone. And angels, like in the days of, of Daniel, if an angel comes that is not uh, capable by that angel's self to fend off the forces of the Satans, then that angel just bids other angels to come. Until, if necessary, there are legions of angels standing in for you, guarding you, keeping you. I'm creating in the name of Jesus Christ, by the Word of God, by the will of God, these angels that have been stolen from us. We're restoring them to the church. We're restoring them to the Word of God. We're restoring them to the actualities. We're restoring them to this time right now in this year of 2010 and this month of August. We are creating angels for our theater of life. And for our theater among the mortals where we live. Not for our theater of life when we just get into heaven and we've overcome the world, but right now in this, in the cosmos, universal mind, universal connection, and to the angels right now while we are in the theater of the mortals. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting word. It is absolutely beautiful. Now, I've read this to you different times, but it is such an important scripture because it really bespeaks 
of what God is really doing. And it's in the book of Ephesians 5, 6. I want to read that to you again. Revela- uh, pardon me, Ephesians 5, 6. And um, here is what it says. Oh, you know what? <clears throat> I don't know where I'm getting Ephesians 5, 6. It's Ephesians 3, 10. Beg your pardon. Here it is, 3, 10. <clears throat> and we'll start with verse 9. And to make all men. I wonder if that includes you. See? Because here, men, because of the English language, actually stands for both both men and and, you know, women. So, you've got man and woman, both male and female. To make all persons see what is the fellowship of the mystery. You see, you can have a, a mystery and it can just be hidden and unknown. But then you can have a time when it's part of a theater and it's, it's a fellowship time. It's a, it's, a, it's a fellowship of the mystery. It's an exciting moment to celebrate. Having a fellowship of the mysteries. Wow. A fellowship of the mysteries. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Are we getting this idea from the parables that Jesus spoke from all those scriptures I've read, how these things have been hidden from the foundations of the world? That's why there has to be the deep word of God. That's why there has to be a change from leavened bread to the unleavened. And that which has been hidden, the thirty, sixty, hundredfold, began to be revealed. It's the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. And it's a part of the revelation is is got to do with the kingdom of heaven. And to make men see the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now get this next one. Verse 10. To the intent. To the intent. For the, for the purpose. For the reason. For the because. That now unto the principalities and Thirty, sixty, hundredfold that's been hidden with the meal that God is bringing forth in this day, in this time. And let's look at the exclamation here. How important, how big this picture is. How huge this theater is. Verse 10. To the intent that now 
unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it is Scripture. It is the Word of God. It is the revelation of God. It is the unction of the Holy Spirit that our connection to understanding about principalities and heavenly places, our connection to understanding about powers in heavenly places, our connection to be known of these things by, by and for the church, the manifold, manifold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, hundredfold, the manifold wisdom of God. It is in the Word. It says it. It speaks it. It declares it. It proclaims and prophesies it. That this wisdom, this manifold wisdom, connecting us to principalities and powers, angels, lords of the angels, the archangels, is the plan of God and is the manifold, the thirtyfold, the sixtyfold, the hundredfold, the three secret portions hidden by this woman, which is the Holy Spirit, for the time that that is to be used to cause the unleavened meal to, to rise. Oh, this is the moment. This is the day. This is the well springing up. Blessed be the name of God. Among the gods, we proclaim it. Wow. And why is this? Well, in verse 11 of Ephesians 3, is according, according, pardon me, to the eternal purpose that God has proposed in Christ Jesus. It's part of the plan. It has always been part of the plan. It's been hidden and is now being brought forth. Praise be the name of the living Holy God. Blessed be the name of God. Now, I want to get into something else very, very interesting. And this is big time into creating angels. Turn with me in your Bibles. You should be right over in the area. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10. And here, here is what it says. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Now, this verse has been interpreted by almost every translation and by scholars and preachers and ministers. And I'm telling you, they keep interpreting it as unleavened bread. The mystery of it, the secret of it, the glory of it is hidden. And as a result, what do we have? We have women being treated 
as part-time citizens. Inferior citizens be more like it to be said. Now let's look at this scripture a little closer. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, verse 3. I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Wow. We've got the head of the man. We've got the head of the woman. And we've got the head of Christ. We've got a 30, 60, 100-fold. And believe me, there is a 30, 60, 100-fold meaning in all that teaching there. So if we take that and bring it from the, from the resolution backwards, we have God, then Christ, then man, then the woman. Now every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Now every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Now, what is the head? Well, the head of the woman is the man. And the head of, head of Christ is God. Now let's look at this again. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. So, supposedly, if you prophesy or you pray and your head and your head is covered, you are dishonoring Christ according to this. So, let's go on to see what this is talking about. And every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all as if she were shaven. What I find is it to be very interesting that the churches, that there are churches that go along with the idea that women should not have any part in the church. That it should only be by men. Now, more and more churches are sort of getting around that. But interesting enough, those that do believe that women should not have a part in the church, many of them do not insist that the women should have to wear any kind of uh, head covering. It's sort of uh, hypocritical. All we know that there are some groups and churches that do. But we're really into a physical thing here. That some little piece of cloth is going to make the difference between you honoring or dishonoring Christ. And it's going to sort of be the kind of a sign that shows that women are to be in submission to men. And don't you know that 
There's a lot of men out there, rednecks, that they like and want and believe this type of thing. They believe in the inferiority of women. And if you watch news and look around the world, you'll see there are religions that treat women very inferiorly and think nothing about damaging them and killing them, imprisoning them, if they dare do anything that breaks the code of their submission to the men and the church. Now, I'm here today to create angels. And since every human being is a fallen angel, who were all formerly orphanims, these women who are being told to keep silent in the church, who are being muted, muffled, who are being made inferior, are all having this occur in the unleavened bread and in the mirror darkly. And this teaching and that revelation that is being given out to the world and bringing all kinds of suffering to women and making the word of God to be false, in which the Bible says, in Christ there is neither male nor female, that we are all equal. In Christ, and that's what this is all about, isn't it? But in order to get there, you have to bring this up to the, to the third head. If you keep messing around with that first head, then all you got is a human. You got to get this up to the, to the hundredfold, to God, or the, or at least the sixtyfold to Christ. When you get up, up to the sixtyfold and the hundredfold, and you get out of the thirtyfold, or out of even before you get into the fold, you're gonna, you're gonna have, you're gonna have dishonor. You're going, to, you're going to be a second-class citizen. I'm speaking to you women. And I am here today over these broadcast waves to create angels. To show you, ladies, that you are angels. That each of you have an angel of the presence. That the angels of God encamp about you as well as they encamp about your husband as well as they encamp about Jesus Christ. That your soul is equal to the soul of a man. That in Christ and in God, all souls are equal. And the Bible tells us in the, the New Testament that one day, that when... We have overcome this bondage, this cell link in which humans have been imprisoned, that we will all become equal with the angels, of which the Bible says 
They neither marry nor are given in marriage. Obviously, in the angel theater, there isn't any prevalence, there isn't any exception given of one angel over the other in the sense of because you're a male or a female. Wow. Are you listening to me? I'm going to show you scripture for all this. So don't you get excited and start saying, oh, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. You don't know what it says if you're saying that. And you've been in that same problem of the secret that's been hidden from the foundations of the world and the veil that's been over the eyes of the people from the time of Moses and before. What a stroke of genius that Satan pulled off to get people to see this doctrine and believe that doctrine. He was able with one stroke to strike out all of the contributions that women could add to the church with the operations of the gifts and in ministry. Strike out big, big part of the church because they were females. What a stroke of genius. Well, his days are coming to an end of having, of being so genius. We are creating angels here today. We are, we are freeing every woman who wants to be free to be in this theater of the angels. Praise be the name of God. Verse 10, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Oh, I know they've interpreted it. I know they've interpreted it. I know they say, well, that's talking about that it's to be a sign, a covering to show that she's under the power of the husband. And they try to get into the, the Greek words to make a point to prove something. Well, I want to tell you something. That when these Greek words and Hebrew words were given, the only way those words have power is when, not when they're tra just translated, but when they are interpreted by the Holy Spirit. Because only the Holy Spirit can interpret what the intent of those words that were given. Because the Bible says that all things that were given that had significance and were given by, this, by the Spirit were the things that people received as prophets and wrote scriptures with. So those things were received by and given by the were given, pardon me, by the Holy Spirit and can only be understood by the Holy Spirit. And that is why Jesus said the day will come, the day must come, when they that worship God will not be saying, I'm worshiping in this mountain here. I'm, I'm in this mortal theater. I'm in this denomination. I'm in this church. I'm in this philosophy. I'm into this doctrine. But he says, they that worship God will worship God in spirit and in truth. You've got to get into the spirit of the word, not the translation of the word. I'm not knocking there being a translation. We need to know what those words say 
uh, in English. But all that is, is moving the original word without the trans, without the spiritual interpretation up into, uh, a, a, a sense of understanding it in a different language. But it still does not, the translation still does not interpret what those words meant that were given by the Spirit only to be understood by the Spirit. Wow. Wow. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Well, I'll tell you something. If you don't think that needs a 30, 60, 100 fold, at least up to this point, how many men have been born of women? How many men have not been born of women? (laughs) And sure, this might apply back to the days of Adam and Eve. In a specific case. But I want to tell you very clearly that, that the man is of the woman as well as the woman is of the man. Someone says, yeah, but it doesn't say that. That's right, because it's in, it's, it's in the dark, dark mirror. Because it's in the unleavened state. And we have to translate that. And we're going to read some scriptures. Now, someone says, no, you know, I think we just have to follow this word for word and, and, and verse for verse and do exactly what it says. Well, look at verse 16, which is all part of this. But if any man, if any person seems to be contentious, doesn't understand what this means, or you, are you wanting to, to be emphatic about it and make it a rule, we have no such custom. Neither the churches of God. Now, I wonder what church your, your church is, if you do have a custom. Because it says here by Paul, the churches of God don't have those customs. So if you've got a custom where women cannot speak in the church, women cannot have a part in the church, they're inferior, they got to wear some kind of a cloth covering, That's a custom. That is a glass darkly. That that is that is the unleavened bread. That has to be brought to light by the thirty, sixty, hundredfold revelation of God by the manifest realization of the Holy Spirit. Because, and this is but if any man you know wants to get into a technicality on it, wants to make a big religious order of it. We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So I don't know what church you're going to. But if it's a church of God, according to what Paul says, they don't have any customs like that. If you've got customs like that, then it's questionable how that they could be the church of God. Someone says, oh, that's really tough stuff. No, it's not tough stuff. It's real stuff. It's power of God, Holy Ghost speaking. It's the two-edged sword of the Word cutting off the fat and getting people in the lean reality of God. Hey, I want to read you something else. I want to read you something else. 
along this same line that is so powerful, so absolutely powerful of what it says. Wow. You, you are going to absolutely, absolutely be moved as you begin to see this revelation and what this revelation has to say. Because this revelation is bringing us to a place that is, is, is taking us right out of, you know, false ideas. Now, let's, let's look at, before I get into that final one, um, let's look at, um, 1 Corinthians 14, 31. First Corinthians fourteen thirty one. First Corinthians fourteen thirty one says, For we may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and that all may be comforted. Of course, if you want to leave women out of being all, part of the all, they're not even a part of the all. They're inferior. Is that what you're saying? Oh, they can't they, they can't prophesy in the church. They can't minister in the church. Is that right? Who who told you that? You've been you've been eating around on that unleavened bread. Well then, you need to go back and be put under the law and statutes of Moses. But you better watch your step under that law, because I'll tell you what, it doesn't take much of an act for you to end up being stoned. It doesn't take too much. If you just dishonor your your parent or say something against your parent, you can be stoned according to the old law. You sure that's what you want, huh? Now, according to this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31 For you may all prophesy one by one and all learn that all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophet. Wow. All right. Let's look at some other stuff. Here's a powerful one. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. This is going to get you stirred up. Listen to this. Let's look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That whole revelation over there that I was reading to you in Corinthians. Wives submitting to the husbands, husbands submitting to to Christ, Christ submitting to God. That's about Submitting yourselves one to another. Jesus said we're all going to be one. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. This was a rendering. There's something beautiful about that. When a wife will submit herself to to the husband. But there's nothing wrong for there to be times when the husband... Submits himself to the wife. 
Otherwise, you would never have a two-way conversation. You would never have a, a two-way uh, ideology uh, of sharing ideas and making uh, shared decisions. It would always be a one-way thing. I can tell you there are millions of husbands out there that would testify and say, I would be in dire shape if, if I had not many times listened to the advice of my wife. It saved me from financial disaster. It saved me from mental depression. This thing of rendering is the beauty. You render things to Jesus. You render things to God. You render things to one another. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, the body, interesting enough, of Christ incorporates both the male and the female. Both the male and the female are in the body. And so the church, the church is the woman. And here's the thing. It is the ministry of the church that is supposed to speak. And anyone that is moving in the spirit of the, of the church ministry whether male or female, can prophesy, can minister. And that's what the Revelation is really about, as you'll see as I keep reading. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. This is the whole story of the rendering. The whole thing about, this, about the parable of the wife being subject to the husband, the husband uh, to Christ, and Christ to to uh, God, is the 30, 100-fold revelation. That once unfolds, is going to tell you something really beautiful, and we'll see. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. This is the real rendering. This is the real meaning. Loving your wife. Husbands loving your wife. Wives loving your husband. Wow. As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word, or with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And that's what this is all about. Through the 30, 60, 100 fold, getting rid of all these wrinkles and all this blemish. Wow. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. If you love your wife as your own body, by that loving your wife that way, you make her equal to you. you and and, and you, you make her equal to you and you equal to her. Because you love her as your own body. And so two, the Bible says, become two that are twain become one. What's all this business about the superiority of one over the other? When you become one. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. You're not going to hate your wife. You're not going to treat her like she's inferior. That would be hating your own flesh because you become one with her. Two twain shall become one flesh. 
That's all the whole concept of marriage. For we are members of the body, of his flesh, of his bones. His a oneness. Now, hang in and get this one. Hang in and get this one. Verse 32. All of this that I just read to you, including the part over there in Corinthians, because it is the same subject. All of this. Here's what it says. This is a great, great, G-R-E-A-T, mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. This whole thing about the wife and the husband, the husband and Christ, Christ and God, is a mystery. It isn't just black and white, surface intelligence, surface understanding. It's unleavened bread. And the thirty, sixty, hundredfold is hid in the meal by the woman, the Holy Spirit. It's still in the glass darkly. It's still under the veil that was over the children of Israel during the time of Moses until Paul's time and still is today. It's about a great mystery that's been hidden from the foundations of the world. Just like I read to you in Matthew, just like I read to you in other scriptures. Nevertheless, verse 33, let every one of you in particular, in particular, so love his wife even as himself. When you love your wife as yourself, she becomes you, you become her, you become one. One, two flesh joined into one flesh. Wow. And in that sense of the meaning of Christ, the wife reverences the husband. I think we all have to treat each other with reverence. Do you understand how big this is? This is a great mystery. This theater that we have opened tonight in the Scripture is universal. Psalms 19, the line has gone out throughout all of the universe. There is no place that it has not gone. Romans 10, there is no person to whom the sound has not come. They have all heard. Because in John chapter 1, They were born. Every person born into the world was born into the light. Everyone has the kingdom of God within them. It's just a matter of it being brought forth. Of it being released. Of the great mystery being opened on that great theater. The theatertron of time. So that this word which has been spoken through all the universe, throughout all of the world of this earth and of worlds past and worlds to come, is rendering and revealing by the thirty, sixty, hundredfold this great mystery that Paul was speaking concerning Christ and the church. Christ in the people, the gatherings of the people.
What are we doing? Ladies and gentlemen, we are creating angels. All of these women, if they will listen to this word and believe this word, for it is truth and it is Bible, are set free this very moment to understand they are not inferior. They are not in subjection of the sense that they are no longer one with their husbands. They are angels fallen just like the husband is an angel fallen. And in that angelship and in Christ, there is no male or female. They are equal. And so now this restoration is creating angels. Suddenly, like a mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit, filling all of the minds that are listening and the minds that will hear from those minds that have listened. This word is creating angels by these women understanding they were born free. Blessed be the name of the Holy Spirit and of God. Praise the name. Praise the name. Oh, there are so many things to teach and so many things to say. But do angels have a lot to do with humans? Yes, they do. I can't turn to all these scriptures and read them. But in Matthew 18 and 10, through verse 31, it tells about that we have guardian angels that are assigned to us in heaven. When you make a vow to God, who is it that arbitrates whether you keep that vow or you don't keep it? In Ecclesiastes 5, 6, it says, don't say that when you don't keep the vow that it was an error. Don't say that before the angel because it is the angel who will arbitrate because the angels are involved ministry-wise with us humans on this planet. It's amazing to the extent how involved they are with us. In Psalm 78:25, it talks about man did eat angels' food. When the children were in the wilderness, it was the angels that prepared the special manna and created it so that it would not revitalize itself on the Sabbath day, which was a sign to them about Christ. Angels were involved in that job. They were involved in angels' food for the God's people. In Psalms 34.7, it says that the angels of the Lord encamp about those people who love Him. Psalms 34.7, the angels of the Lord are encamped around about you. We know there are different instances in the Bible in which the Scripture tells us that there were people that would experience seeing things, like Paul when he was on the road to Damascus. The people could hear things that were happening, but they could not see Jesus. But, but Paul saw Jesus that day. But their eyes were beholden. 
And there have been other cases in which the Bible describes the eyes as being beholding and beholding and people cannot see. And you need to pray. You need to pray among the gods, among the angels, that your eyes will not be in the beholdings of those unleavened, blurry realities, but that you will come to that place that you'll be able to see the angels that encamp around about you. Wow. Wow. There is something so utterly fantastic about, you know, such revelations as all of that. So absolutely beautiful. So absolutely wonderful. I, I want to tell you this story. It's in the Old Testament. But it is an incredible story about angels. And it has to do with a great prophet of God. And it it's something that I have never forgotten in all my my times of being in the Word of God that always uh, that always stuck out to me because it was such a beautiful thing that happened, and I I, I want to share that with you because um, it is so sensational. It is so absolutely sensational. Um, there is no no doubt, no question about the reality of it. And if if you would just bear with me tonight and we'll take the time and we'll we will look at this scripture. And uh let me just get my my verse here. I turn to Second Kings six and fifteen. Second Kings six fifteen. We'll read a little bit of this because this is just uttered. Second Kings six fifteen. And that's way, 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 way back in the Old Testament. Okay? So here we go. Now, this is Elisha. And the Syrians come down with huge numbers and great armies on horses. And um, the servant of Elisha, or, uh, yeah, Elisha, came to Elisha and said, uh, Behold, a host compasses the, the city, and they've got horses and chariots. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? There's just two of them. And the city is surrounded by the Syrians. It's a massive army with horses and chariots. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open the eyes. Open his eyes. You know, it's something about being ready in season with God. There are so many people that are not in season with God. Instant in season and out of season. Elisha didn't say, Oh God, oh God, there's this great mob of soldiers 
with weapons, horses and chariots. Lord, we're afraid for our life. He didn't pray for that. He was in season with God. He already knew something that was hidden from the eyes of the servant of Elisha. He already had a revelation that Elisha didn't see. Elisha, Elisha's servant rather, didn't see. Elisha's servant was still in the unleavened bread. But Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, open my servant's eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is such a beautiful example. Here's this huge army, this gigantic army, and these Syrians are coming to do damage. Elisha is not concerned because he already can see the angels and the host of the angels. And these angels have come and come and they have taken physical bodies and and are taking on physical uh, uh, motoring or vehicle ship of their day, which was the horses and chariots. <laughs> but there's a little difference. These chariots had a fire, <laughs> a power, a resonance, a glory. <clears throat> and the young man who was the servant opened his eyes and all of a sudden he could see that there was a greater number of angels than there were the Syrians. And the, the Syrians were surrounded by these angels. And Elisha could see that. He wasn't afraid. Oh, how important it is for us to create angels, to understand how powerful they are, what dominion they have. When God spoke to Moses, he said, if these people will be obedient... He says, I'll go before you. I'll send an angel. And he'll chase out these people from the cities. He'll send hornets to disperse them. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't believe. They lost their angel saviors. And when they came down to him, this is the Syrians. The Syrians did not see these angels. They didn't know they were there. And when they came down and, and, unto him, and Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, these Syrians. I pray with blindness. And the Lord of these angels smote all of those Syrians with blindness and they could not see. They were, became blind. According to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, and I don't know how many of you, I'm sure most of you at one time saw that war, Star Wars. and There was these two um, uh, persons that went into this city that was full of uh, enemies checking out uh, 
who was coming into the city. And um, and they were asking them, you know, who are you? And this one um, Obi, I can't quite think of his name. Obi-Wan spoke up and said, we are not the persons that you are looking for. We are not, we are not the ones that you seek. Let us go on. So these soldiers that were stopping people and checking them out says, these are not the people we are looking for. These are not the ones we seek. Go on. It was just like they were put into a trance and they repeated those things. Well, where did that come from? That was in the Bible long before that was ever in Star Wars. Listen to this 19th verse of Second Kings of the 6th chapter. And Elisha said unto them, the Syrians, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. Well, they were in the city, and they, they were right there with the man they were seeking. But when he said to him, this is not the city, and this is, <laughs> this is not the one you're seeking. And they're in their blindness. They're just believing this. This is not the city, and this is not whom we're seeking. And he said, I will bring you to the man you seek. But he led them to Samaria. He led them right to his enemies. And when they were come to Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they might see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said to Elijah, uh, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered and said, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom... You've taken captive? This king of Israel didn't even get it yet. Still didn't get the mystery. Still didn't get the revelation. Still was chewing on unleavened bread. He didn't realize that these some, these Syrians were all brought to them. They were now, even though they can see again, they were now captive. So he said, here's what you do. He says... He said, set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. And it says that after they went and they after ate and drank and they went back to their master, it says in verse 23 at the bottom, so the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Wow. What a true way that God does things. There's so many people out there that, that, that are acting as God as represented. And they are still paganistic. They are still barbarians. And, you know, they're, they're still into murder and rape and pillage and, and destruction. And they do it in the name of God. Just like the churches. The church over the ages has killed innocent people and some great people in the name of God. Because they were representing God, but they weren't representing God in His in His perfect well, just so it was permissive. And how God does things in the perfect well, 
all this whole army was allowed to go back. No one had to be killed. And they never came again into the land of Israel during that whole course of time. I'm creating angels, ladies and gentlemen. Those angels didn't exist as far as that that servant of of Elisha understood or believed. Those angels didn't exist as far as the army of Syria understood and believed. Those angels didn't exist as that city in which they came or, or as the king of Israel and his army didn't exist. Those angels had to be created. They were there. But they had to be created into reality. Transposed into reality in the eyes of these people. So their eyes would be opened. So that they could see the angels being created before them in the reality. Wow. Wow. Well, there's a very interesting scripture. And I really want to share that with you. And, um, but before I do, I just want to cover this other point. In 1 Corinthians 6 3, it says, it talks about, we will judge angels. And that is so disgraceful, so sad, a scripture. as being one that has been misused and misrepresented and taught in fallacy. Certainly we are going to judge angels, but they're the evil angels, the angels of Satan, not the angels of God. And I've been in services, I've been in churches where people say, oh, praise God, we're going to judge the angels. And the Bible says the angels are mightier than us. Man was made a little lower than the angels. Even though he has an angel as his spirit, he's lower than the angels because of his fallen state. And John one fifty one tells us there are angels ascending and descending all the time. And we see that same example back in the book of Genesis. But now, if you will, turn with me to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. I want to share this with you. This is quite interesting. Matthew 26, verse 53. Now, when Judas betrayed Christ, and in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 50, Jesus said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then they laid holes 
hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now get this next verse. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to the Father? And he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. Now at the time, this word legion was in use with the Romans. And a Roman consul commanded two Roman legions of 10,000 to 12,000 men. So if you take and you say we're talking 12,000, Jesus said 12 legions. So 12 legions, 12,000 times 12 is 144,000 which is the same number that has to do with the Holy Jerusalem, which has to do with the total of all the tribes of Israel that figuratively represent all the overcomers. And the the sacred divine number of the 144,000, which has to do with the measurement of the walls of Jerusalem, all being a tremendous revelation of a thirty, sixty, hundredfold in-depth revelation. Don't you understand, Jesus said? I could just simply pray, and presently, immediately, there would be given to me twelve legions of angels. A hundred and forty-four thousand and more angels. 144,000 and more. Well, I tell you what, there are some interesting scriptures you should read on that. I have time here tonight to go into all of it. But, excuse my rattling the paper because I'm just trying to get to my notes here. If you will look at Psalms 91.11, maybe we'll turn to that one. Psalms 91.11. Let's just let's just read this. Very, very neat scripture. I tell you the word of God is beautiful. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. But verse 7 before that said, A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. The explanation of that, ladies and gentlemen, is that God is giving charge to His angels to bear you up. To bear you up. In Daniel 7.10, it talks about the thousands and thousands of angels that are ministering. 
the legions of angels. They're here. They're, they're, they're out there. Oh God, open the eyes of your people. Dear Lord Jesus, open the eyes of your people that they may begin to be involved in this creation of angels. That they are not alone. There are no reasons to be depressed. There are no reasons to be confused. There are no reasons to be to feel like things are hopeless. Because the angels of the Lord are encamping around about. They're just waiting for a petition from people who will believe and see them so that they can do a job of delivering and being true guardians for the people. Oh, there is so much more. There is so much more. God is wanting this word to be so strong in you. One more scripture that I want to read in Luke chapter 9. Let's look at that. Luke chapter 9 and then we're going to do the Gentile. This is a very interesting scripture. And here's the verse, verse 26. Luke 9, 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory and in his Father's glory and of the holy angels' glory. And I paraphrase this because that's what it really says. Shall be ashamed of them when he shall come in his own glory. That's one glory, the glory of Jesus Christ. And the Father's glory, that's two glories, and the glory of the holy angel. Angels. Holy, holy, holy. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. There are all these glories. They are all important. They are all meant for us to understand them and know them. They're all part of the universal theater that God has placed in us for the revelation of the angels. And these glories of which it says, if we don't acknowledge Christ, then we are going to be denied by the three glories. The glory of of which Jesus said, after this I will be glorified, the glory of Christ, the glory of the Father, because that's a whole story, and the story of Christ is a whole story, and the story of the holy angels is a whole story. A glory, 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 a holy, 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 a thirty, sixty, hundredfold revelation. Each one progressively going forward, all tying together to one ultimate truth. Wow. We are creating angels. We are bringing back to the church through this reformation of manifest realization. 
that which has been stolen, that which has been deprived, that which has been lost, that which has been set aside, that which people have been cheated of, that which people have walked in blindness about, God is opening eyes, opening hearts. We are creating angels, and we have created them tonight. Blessed be the name of the living God. And so now we're going to do some Gentile. And I want to do another Gentile in which we strengthen those that are in finishing processes of healing. It is just amazing the number of people that have been touched and healed in very deep, miraculous ways through the Gentile broadcast, which is generative touch. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid. Through the corpus callosum, spread out through the neural network, through all of the contact points. Begin to send messages throughout the whole neural network to strengthen by messages the entire fabric work of the body. Send nutrients into the cells. Send nutrients into the molecules. Revitalize the memory of the brain. Restore youthfulness. Begin to deal through the hormones. Through the sending of various glandular fluids into the body. Let the spark and sparkles of life begin to move like a river of life. And the hearers that are hearing this word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God bless you. We love you. We love you. He's the only one. Let him have his way until the day is done. And when he speaks, you'll know.